Howdy, howdy, do who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome aboard for episode 314. <laughs> One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective view, more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and yeah. do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years, and not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Hey, 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 Doctor Who fans. Welcome back to another week. Hope you've all kept safe and healthy. You've had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something. Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Related. Related. Indeedy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apologies if Adam and I sound a little bit rough this week. We're uh, we're a couple of old... uh, uh, We've got battle wounds and... We're falling apart at the yeah. seams. <laughs> yeah, so I've got a rubbishy cold, head cold, and Adam's got toothache. So we might yeah, we, we are, might make it through. <laughs> we're getting old, dude. Getting old, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I had a bit of a sore throat the other night. I was like, oh, here we go. Mr. COVID has knocked on the door. What's he saying? <laughs> Don't give him sympathy, ladies and gentlemen. He's, he's made a rod for his own back. <laughs> if anyone else has got a cold, he never gives any sympathy, do you, mate? I'm really terrible for that, yeah. Yeah. My family hate it, yeah. it's I just can't do it, mate. Anyone that's got a cold. If anyone's seriously ill, you know, if you've got like really bad flu or you've got some sort of, you know, bad, then fine. But people that have got just a standard head cold, you know, a bit <laughs> of a, yeah. I just can't do the whole sympathy thing, mate. I just, it's, I don't, it's just something that's built into me. I just like, oh, <laughs> shut up, get on with it. <laughs> So, uh, you, have yeah, to, expect, you have to be literally yeah. on death's door to get any sympathy from going. <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah. So I expect no sympathy. It's, it's all good. But I did a COVID test the morning after that. I thought, oh, no. Because even though I've had my first jab and my second one's in a few weeks' time, I thought, oh, no. Even though I've had the first jab. But then I thought, well, it's really weird. I've not been in contact with with anyone. So I did a test. It was negative, and that was all good. So I don't know. I've picked this cold up from somewhere. So if I sound a bit sniffly or croaky, I do apologize, listener. It's just, uh, yeah. 
old gravel voice. Yeah, and Adam's got a bit of a tea, got a throbbing, throbbing cheek. So <laughs> yeah, I feel like someone's <laughs> whacked me in the face. I feel like someone's punched me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got terrible toothache. I'm on the old antibiotics. Yeah. yeah. Go on, listen to us. What has happened? I know. Downhill very quickly. <laughs> very quickly, yeah. Yeah, so by the end of the show, we might sound like this or we might sound completely awful and you'd have switched off by then. <laughs> so who knows? But yeah, so I hope you've had a cracking week. And uh, I assume that some of you would have had a good week if you had your season 24 Blu ray mm. collection sets delivered. It was in that time again. It used to be three times a year. We've now got that biannual event where um we get the collection, which is cool. Mine's still in the bloody packaging, mate. I've not had a chance to even inspect the beauty uh, of it and stuff. But I know you've had a you've had a look, haven't you? Well, yeah. I was going to say it's funny you say that because I I only thought last night because I was thinking you know whenever the night before we're recording, I'm like, oh, what am I going to talk about in the waffle tomorrow? What have I been doing? And I thought, well, this week's easy because you know I've been plowing through the season twenty four sets. That's good. And I thought. I haven't seen Gary post a picture of his. And I thought, well, he must have bought it because I know you love McCoy's era. So I went, I was like stalking you. I was like, let's check, <laughs> let's check his, let's check his Insta in case I've missed it. No, let's check, let's check his Twitter. No. So I was like, no, hey, maybe I thought it's not been lost in the post again. Is it like, yeah, was that season 10 or season eight or something? It was the perks we set Went to your old house. Yeah. But, yeah. So you've got it. You can, that's, that's reassuring because mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I was worried. Um, but you just haven't had a chance to open it yet. No, no, it came. Uh, it came. It was all good. I ordered it from Amazon this time because I think it was that time way like months and months ago where Zoom.co.uk were going through some kind of weirdness. They didn't have, do you remember, they didn't have it on their website to order. Yeah, they changed owners or something. So it's still called Zoom, but I don't know, there's some there was some change of ownership or something. Yeah. So they never got yeah. it, yeah. It was weird, yeah. There wasn't. Yeah, so I had to order it from Amazon, which wasn't too bad. It arrived on the day it said it was going to, which was Monday. So that was all fine. But yeah, I just brought it upstairs and just flung it on the bookshelf, still in the padded envelope, and forgot about it, mate. I just, yeah, I've just had a uh, a distracted week, I suppose, of other stuff. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I've got a weekend planned of watching plenty of stuff, like catching up on stuff mm-hmm. this weekend. So I need to watch some Star Wars stuff. I need to watch Loki. I need to watch Doctor Who. So yeah, it's going to be a sofa weekend, I think. You're going to love it. I mean, it is... God, the amount of extras. It's incredible. Um, yeah, I've, I feel... I've I sort of been watching it and found myself just being on the sofa, like, still four hours later, and my other half comes in. It's like, you're not still watching television. Go and do something. I'm like, oh, I just can't stop. It's, <laughs> I've just been plowing through it. So I've watched all the behind the sofas, and I'll tell you what, you're in for a real treat, because Peter Davison and Colin Baker are just brilliant on it. Um, they're so sort of funny and but also quite frank and honest because I think because Sylv and Colin and Peter all really get on well don't they so they can have that sort of bants so you know they're saying stuff that if anybody else is saying it you might be like oh that's a bit harsh but you know because we know they're friends it's really funny Um, yeah the behind the sofas are brilliant I've watched all of them Uh, I've watched the round the doctor's table which was really good Um, I've watched the extended Time and the Rani, because every story gets like an extended version of it. Uh, I watched that yesterday. Hardly any difference, actually. It's a bit weird, because normally a lot of them are just like five seconds longer. The scene's five seconds longer, or there's like a tiny little extra line. Normally they just put those trims in separately, don't they? Film trims. Mm -hmm. But they've sort of put them all back in, and uh, it doesn't really add anything to the story. But um, I haven't got to Dalton the Bannerman yet, and my friend said that that one is 
the best extended. It actually adds some nice bits in. So I'm really sort of looking forward to watching these extended versions because, like you, it's a season I've seen loads. Mm. I've watched these stories a million times. So to get to see them, even with the slight alteration like Time of the Rani, like it's got, <laughs> you're going to crack up when you see the beginning. <laughs> so <laughs> just to sort of brief, be brief about this, but you know, the the very beginning post credits bit, there's like the TARDIS being shot by lasers in mm-hmm. through space. <laughs> Well, there, it starts with, like, it looks like blockbusters. This funny sort of hexagonal <laughs> uh, rainbow thing starts flying around the TARDIS, chasing it and shooting at it. And I'm like, what the hell is that? I was like, is that, that's not a new effect, is it? I was thinking, have they put new effects on this? That looks terrible. Surely that's not new. Anyway, I don't think it is. I think this is just some original 80s effect that obviously was cut at the time but you're oh, when right. you see it i was like what is this um but yeah so uh, i've been watching that and i watched the patricia quinn interview as well which was just fascinating and funny and brilliant and and some of the raw studio footage just hours of it mate hours mm-hmm. i just let it play because a lot of the time it's just the actors stood around you know waiting for their cue they just put it on raw footage it's you know so it's it can be a bit sort of tiresome just sat there watching it so i just sort of put it on while i was doing other stuff so you can hear sort of the directors and you you know but even that's fascinating like you see the guys the builders coming in and moving the TARDIS prop off the quarry um and it looks pretty heavy actually you know they're just sort of one two three <laughs> lift it off and all this sort of stuff yeah it's brilliant and I've still got so much left to watch I'm just I'm devouring it it's just brilliant so nice to have a another box set and um my other half can't understand it's like but it's all the old stuff you've seen it all before and I'm like no, there's hours of new material. It's like it's like getting a brand new set. It's you know, although we have seen the stories before, there's so much n- new stuff. It's um, it's brilliant. You're in for a real treat. You really are because I know you love McCoy the same as me. Yeah, dude. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's a wacky old season as well. Twenty four. It's crazy, and it's nice to see it getting a bit of love because mm. it is the season that I remember when it was announced. You know, I see some comments, people, oh, I won't be buying that one. That's all. It's the worst season of who and and all this sort of stuff, and and uh, I think it does, like a lot of things, people, it does gain a sort of new love, I think, for people that were like, actually, do you know, I've always hated Time the Rani, but actually now I just watch it as a bit of fun and in context and stuff, I actually thought it was all right, and, you know, it's just nice to see people, you know, uh, giving a bit of love to this season. Mm. Yeah, because I love it, I've always loved it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, I probably won't watch any of the episodes first, I'll probably watch the special features, because, yeah, yeah, don't want to be accused of going back and watching old stuff again. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, in the other half, it's like, why are you watching that for? You've seen it like multiple times. Well, I also uh, got um because I put it next to season twenty six, and I got the oh you haven't bought it twice of you. That's the same, isn't it? And I'm like, no, that's that's <laughs> it's the same Doctor. It's a different season. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you don't understand these things. Sometimes they just don't <laughs> understand, mate. <laughs> just because it's the same face. You know, or we probably thought I'd bought two versions of the same box or something. You know, like when you get a variant. Just mm-hmm. Being accused of that, I think. But yeah, no, they don't understand, mate. No. <laughs> <laughs> have you got your own little room to to watch these things, or do you have to watch them? No, I have to no, watch them on the quote unquote the big telly. Oh, I see. Because I, I, you know, I used to have a I used to have a DVD player in the bedroom. I used to just sneak upstairs and watch them. But unfortunately. I don't have that anymore. Mm. So I have to watch it when I can get the television. And uh, yeah, so that could be a bit awkward. Yeah, no worries, you mate. Same deal. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, that's, uh, I literally haven't done anything Doctor Who wise, buddy. 
other than watch all six parts of Planet of the Spiders, obviously. Well, that was the other thing as well, because I kept thinking, I was watching all this stuff, <laughs> and I kept thinking, right, I've got to get Planet of the Spiders in as well. So I was like, that's going to get moaned about, because I've been watching all this season. <laughs> and it's like, oh, by the way, I've got to put another Doctor Who on now. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, because, oh, yeah, dear. six episodes. Whew. Yeah. I did it. You did it. Nice one, dude. Yeah, I'll report back next week. I'm sure it'll all be good. Good good thoughts and vibes and stuff for season 24, but yeah. Yeah, I'll do oh, that you're going to love it. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Right, before we get on with the news then, remember to follow and listen for free to our podcast on whatever podcast app you get your podcast on. We'd love to have you as a follower. That way you won't miss a show when it lands every single Friday. You can do that through uh, any of those apps and networks and so on, or just head over to the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of the shows on there for free. Free. For free. And if you uh, if you use one of the podcast apps like Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or the, the IMDB for podcast website, podchaser.com, uh, on all those things, you can leave a review and stuff. So if you've got a minute to do that, if you like the show, that'd be awesome. And thank you to you, all, the, all the you guys that have left reviews recently very very nice words so thank you very much for that on the website you can also read all of the reviews and articles from our writing team and there are links to go off to the socials which are on instagram twitter and facebook come and give us a like and a follow over there so we can chat doctor who with you guys throughout the week and we have a free discord server as well link on the website come and register for that takes about 24 seconds i think it's nice and quick and uh, we've got a really, really cool community of Who fans over there, which is growing all the time. It's, we've got a quite a big, quite a big server over there now on Discord. So uh, come and jump in and, and and waffle some more Doctor Who over there as well. And also, my co-host Adam is on YouTube under the name, as always, it is the Geeks Handbag. Geeks Handbag, yeah. Go and have a look at my latest vids. Go and check them out. Yeah, and Adam is on the socials too, under the same name, the Geeks Handbag. Go and seek him out. Give him a like and a follow. Indeed, yeah. Go and check out my socials. Yeah, I love love like Insta and stuff. Indeed, spent about two hours taking photos for Instagram yesterday. <laughs> it just couldn't get this this figure to come out because of the lighting. It's driving me mad. I was thinking it would probably only get about twelve likes, but I am going to get this photo right. <laughs> I'll put it through a million filters. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> the curse of content creation. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, enough with that. Uh, we have got a couple of news stories to go through this week, which is good. So let's land the TARDIS and do that. The first story to get through is a bit of a debunker, a bit of a um, a bit of a thing. So over the last few weeks well especially about a month ago six weeks ago we started reporting on a bunch of websites and media outlets here in the uk that started running these stories it almost feels like a daily basis now where they do the replacement for jody thing where it's they just round up all of their uh crazy predictions about which actor's going to take over and then they've got the bookies also doing all the, the odds and and all that stuff and the name that's kept popping up all the time in every single article is Ollie Alexander, who is the guy that uh, you will know him if you watched the Russell T. Davis series, It's a Sin, or if you listen to his music, um, uh, he doesn't put music out under the name Ollie Alexander, it's years and years. So uh, this name's popped up all the time, and it seems like he's had enough. I think he's been, well, 
There is one small train of thought that thinks that this could be a, a purposeful distraction for a time, if it is true. I can't see it being true, but it could be that. Um, but I think he's probably getting sick and tired of being asked this question in every interview that he does at the moment because his name's been dragged through this every week for the past, what, three or four months now with these articles. Every time he does an interview, they probably round it off with, so, Doctor Who, and all that stuff, and he's probably getting sick of it. So his agent uh, has put out uh, a statement. Uh, His agent's called Martha Kinn, and uh, she says, even though Ollie is often contacted by Cybermen, (laughs) I'm afraid I have to exterminate this speculation. As nice as it is to see interest in this story regenerate, it just isn't true. And then she added, as ood as it might sound, (laughs) (laughs) Ollie is focusing on his music for the time being. End quote. So a nice short little pun-filled statement from his agent fantastic yeah 10 10 points 10 points what's her name martha what martha kin yeah martha kin good in it yeah so i quite like the as ood as it might sound i like that one yeah so there you go dude he's put out a statement to say uh flattering i think that my name's been brought into the mix but it's not going to happen so i'm kind of buying this one I, i i think he's probably got more stuff that he wants to do rather than being confined to a very heavy schedule uh of doing doctor who for the next x amount of years um because as we know from all of the actors that we've seen special features or interviews from they feel like absolute crap after about two years of doing it onwards so he's probably got other stuff he wants to do that's not feeling crap uh so what do you reckon like i said the other thing that might be this if he is considering it this might just be a diversion to get people off the off the scent and then it's going to be a big ta-da i'm actually the doctor so i can't see it being that but what do you reckon no i can't see it i mean i I, it's funny because if you just if this rumor had come out before i'd seen him in um it's a scene i'd have been like oh don't be ridiculous but he actually it was a really it gave a great performance in it's a sin he's awesome and proved yeah. yeah he was actually proves he's actually a really good little actor um but no i mean i think he'd be an interesting doctor who i certainly wouldn't be against him being the doctor i think he could be really good he, he just strikes me as too young but i'm hesitant to say that because of matt smith i thought exactly the same with matt and he, he's one of my favorite doctors so um if it turned out to be true, I would be all for it. I think he'd be fine, but I think there's a, probably better people out there to play the role, and I don't think he's in the right place to do it. I mean, maybe in a few years' time or something, but yeah, I, I can't see it either. I think he's just, it's the sort of typical name that the tabloids would pick, and uh, it cracked me up that The Sun, like, put it as fact, The Sun newspaper, uh, Ollie Alexander to replace Jenny Whittaker as if it's fact confirmed, and um Someone found a screenshot of the exact same article from a couple of years ago saying Chris Marshall confirmed as new Doctor Who and all this. So, yeah, can't see it. Well, in terms of age, dude, Matt Smith was 26 when he took on the role. Ollie Alexander is 30. Is he? Yeah. I thought he was about 19. Yeah, he's 30, dude. Oh, no, really? So age is not a factor. He's never 30. He's 30, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm I'm shocked, but um, yeah. well, I take it back, Ollie. I mean, yeah, as I said, I wouldn't. Yeah, I think he could be an interesting doctor. I don't know. I don't know if he's got the gravitas to bring to the role, but I yeah, be interesting. But no, nah, mm. can't see it. 
I think he's he's only just started going solo, isn't he? Even though he's kept the name years and years, he's only just started his solo music. So I can't see him just quitting that to be the doctor because, like you said, it's too time consuming. Mm -hmm. So can't see it. Yep. Right on to other news. This is sad news, mate. This is very sad news. Uh, Jackie Lane has passed away at the age of seventy nine. Of course, we know her best as the first Doctor's companion, Dodo Chaplet. And, um, yeah, of course, she's famously the, the character, you know, probably one of the worst exits ever oh. for a Doctor Who character, yeah. wasn't it? She didn't even get to say goodbye. It was just, you know, where's Dodo? Oh, she's doing something. Right. She's a bit busy, Doctor. <laughs> oh, well, I'm off. Um, just kind of got <laughs> left behind. In, the, in one of my favourite first Doctor stories, actually, The War Machine. Oh, War Machines, so, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's very sad. To, kind of out of the blue, this as well, because... Um, um, Phantom Events, I think, actually announced uh, that it, it confirmed that she had passed away, and um, she was a very private person, so we never really heard much from Jackie Lane. So it sort of felt even more sort of out of the blue, if you see what I mean, because we don't really hear much about her. Um, yeah, she's a very private person, and I think she was a little bit miffed at the way her character um, was written out of the show. I think the the new producer at the time, Innis Lloyd, um, decided he you know, wasn't going to renew a contract and, and just literally just said, no, Dodo's gone. And um, Jackie mm. was quoted as sort of getting her own back a few years later. So uh, she said, um, I think I would have liked a more dramatic ending. My farewell was a bit anticlimax. Uh, was a bit of an anticlimax. Still, I got my revenge. I now run a voiceover agency. And Innis Lloyd, the producer at the time, once asked me to find him work. I reminded him that he once sacked me from Doctor Who and said a very firm no. <laughs> so she did get a, a revenge. Uh, a very shy woman, Jackie Lane, was always uh, reluctant to involve herself in Doctor Fandom. She gave very few interviews about her time on the show, but she did make an appearance on at the time on Doctor Who's 50th anniversary. Did she? Hmm. What was that then? Uh, but, but did make uh, I can't remember what she was in for the 50th stuff yeah I can't remember that? being in the 50th hmm. so I'm reading that from I'm reading that online but I'm sorry uh, that's why I just sort of stopped uh, suddenly because I don't remember her being in the 50th but I could be wrong uh, anyway yes Jackie Lane she was uh, 79 and uh, oh just quickly the other quote about William Hartnell um, she said that she found William Hartnell to be very friendly but he was struggling at the time with all the different changes to the cast apparently but she said um they got on well although she never really got to know him that well right right but she liked bill hartnell mm-hmm. yeah. okay uh, so i think she appeared on that live thing remember doctor who live the after party she was she on that shambles was she yeah god yeah, no wonder yeah. she didn't want anything to do a fandom after that because <laughs> I, I remember that was a, a disaster wasn't it i remember that so like they had, didn't have one direction on and stuff and it wasn't great it wasn't it doctor was who's not. finest hour put it that way yeah. the moth was in the middle of it one of you lashed up yeah <laughs> yeah was, i remember that anyway oh, yeah yeah so jackie lane 79 yeah goodbye jackie yeah and what a, what a cracking story to be in though i know she wasn't didn't have an extended time on the show, but the War Machines, it's not a oh, bad one. Great. Yeah. yeah, it's a good story. Yeah. Uh, rightio, uh, that is news uh, done with. It's time to get on to our review for this week. So, buddy, what have we got? Yeah, so it's it's the end of an era for John Pertwee with his last story, Planet of the Spiders. I'm going to Metabilis 3. You took the one last 
perfect crystal of power. I searched all time and all space for it. I must have it. Who are you? They call me the Great One. Why can't I see you? You will, Doctor, you will, all in good time. But not until you bring me the crystal you stole from Metabilis. No. No, never. <laughs> doctor, help me! Come quickly! You will, Doctor, you will. Spiders have strange properties of Metabilis crystal and affect the mind. Mind? You mean it could drive someone mad? Ready. I command you... Go. I have come to give you the power you seek. More power than you dared to dream of. Oh. Oh. Stop! If you come any further, Doctor, you will die, and I need you alive. Oh, Doctor, please wake up! You're trying to increase your mental powers to infinity. Exactly! Put your hands in the air. I shall be the ruler of the entire universe. A decent one, that one. Wow. <laughs> Good trailer, that one. So, Planet of the Spiders, then. Our farewell story for Mr. John Pertwee. It was first broadcast back on the 4th of May, 1974, and finished up on the 8th of June of the same year. Six parts. It was written by a combination of Robert Sloman and uncredited Barry Letts. I assume Barry did some some fiddling afterwards. It was directed by Barry Letts as well and overseen by Terence Dix. It stars John Pertwee as the Doctor, Elizabeth Sladen. Yay, Liz, we've, we did Sarah Jane, routes it up, and now she's back again. Yeah. She's all good as Sarah Jane. And then we have a fairly sizable supporting cast for this one. Mm. Fairly sizable indeedy. And uh, synopsis is as follows. Uh, the blue crystal that the Doctor took from Metabolis. <laughs> no, Metabolis. <laughs> <laughs> from Metabolis 3 in a previous adventure is desperately sought by the Eight Legs, a race of mutated spiders as the final elements in their plan for universal domination. With help from an old mentor, the Doctor realises that the only way to foil the plot is to make the ultimate sacrifice. The Doctor must risk death to return to the cave of the Great One and save the universe. Well, what are your thoughts uh, straight off the bat with this one, dude? And it's I won't not. accept a chant. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, enough chant. Enough um, of the That stays in your head for about three hours <laughs> after you've watched it. Oh, it does. <laughs> Yes, hypnotic. I'll just I'll tell you what, just before I get on to my thoughts, I'm just looking at the cast list. No wonder Doctor Who never had any money. How'd they pay all these people? It's, it's, <laughs> the cast list during the John Pertwee era is, is unbelievable, isn't it? Every time we do a Sir Doctor story, the cast list is incredible, uh, the amount of people they, they had. Um, but Planet of the Spiders, I, I, I like this one. I think it's a good story. Um, but every time I watch it, I'm slightly frustrated by it because... I think it's got all these great elements to be an absolute belter of a classic, but but it it just slightly falls short in a couple of places, and um, and I don't know. Even though I really like it, I just think God, there was an absolute classic there. It just needed a couple of little tweaks because the story sort of 
doesn't seem to flow properly. Like you get this brilliant chase sequence in episode two, which I know is complete filler. Absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Doesn't add anything <laughs> to the story, but I love yeah. it. I think it's brilliant. You've got like the Hoomobile, <laughs> a helicopter, a hovercraft. It's unbelievable. That's where the money That's... went as well, mate, on the cast <laughs> and on the chasing. <laughs> yeah, it has to be seen to be believed. It's just, I, I, I don't care that it's filler and it's irrelevant. It, I just love that chase sequence because it's like they've lined up all these different vehicles for the doctor to chase, chase after, um, whatever his name, Lupton in, it's just, it's just ludicrous. And it, and that helicopter scares me because <laughs> it just, that, that just looks like you could bat it out the sky with a tennis racket. It's just, it's just so small and feeble. I just, I don't know how anybody could get in something like that and actually fly it. But, um, but that, I'm watching it yesterday and I'm thinking every time I get to the chase sequence, I always think it's like towards the end of the story, but it, it's episode two and I'm thinking, but this should be near the end. This feels like epic. <laughs> and yet, so it's episode two. And then after that, you get four episodes where it kind of sort of plods to what I have to say is a really understated and slightly disappointing regeneration scene. But I'm thinking if you'd had that sort of, you know, if you'd sort of mixed things up a bit and had that chase sequence towards the end, or even if it was part four or five, it would really ramp up the story. But it just feels like after that chase sequence, the sort of next four episodes, although I don't find them boring, there is a lot of um, going around in circles. You know, we go, even Lupton ends up back at the meditation center and then we go to Metabelius 3, Metabolus 3, you know, a couple of times. And, you know, it it starts to sort of go around in circles because that's that's what happens when you have six parts. You've got to fill them up somehow and you've only got so many sets you can afford to build and so many locations you can go to. So it does feel a bit repetitive and I don't know. I just felt like if you'd rearranged some of the episodes and a few of the scenes, um, I think it could be about it because there is a lot in this story I love. I mean, I, I think Pertwee is superb in it. And we talk about Tom Baker being subdued in the Gopolis and that whole season 18, Tom's, a lot moodier watching this again yesterday. I think Pertwee, he's not moody, but he's, he's so more subdued than the sort of third doctor that we see in Inferno, for example, who's, you know, bounding around the sets here, there and everywhere, giving commands. He's really subdued and laid back in, in, in this. And he gives a really touching performance, which, which does add to the story, which at times is sort of flandering a bit. Um, And you get like his mentor, we get to meet. I love all that stuff. You've got this lovely character of Tommy um, who, when he stares into Crystal, transforms his personality. You know, you've got all these lovely things. Um, but some, yeah, somehow it just doesn't come together to be like a 10 out of 10. That was a f- belter of a story for Pertwee to go out on. It kind of sort of, yeah, limps a little bit towards the end. So I like it. I like it a lot. But I think it's it's just not perfect, unfortunately. It's just not quite up to the epic story you want the third doctor to go out on after because he's you know he's such a good doctor and he's had a really good some really good stories up until this point so yeah good mm. but could have been better i think yeah no region man that chase scene as well oh. that would have been great in in episode six i just can't understand why it was put at the start yeah Don't... just the big climatic ending maybe the doctor gets shot out of the sky in that little helicopter thing that helicopter that's his regeneration because he's been yeah (laughs) it's almost like it's uh, it's like a little um 
I don't know. It, it just seems tiny and very flimsy. I wouldn't certainly go up in it. That's for sure. You wouldn't get me anywhere near it. I don't think I could fit in it, <laughs> to be honest. And I think John, I know John Pertwee did a lot of the, his own stunts because he loved that. He loved gadgets. Mm. He loved anything like that, didn't he? If there was a hovercraft, he, he wanted to drive it. And he does a lot of the stunts himself. But I think um, they stopped him from, from doing the mm. helicopter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although I think he was allowed to go up in it, but yeah, it's not him in the long shots. But no, 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 he, he was, hovered he above the ground for a bit. Yeah. yeah, And in the hovercraft, he mucks in though. In the hovercraft scene, oh, he's in there. There's a couple of long shots where it's it's a stunt. It's uh, whoever the stunt person was. I can't remember his name. It's um, he's kind of uh, speeding over the the mounds and yeah. stuff like that. But the close-ups of John in the hovercraft, he's soaking wet. He's in his costume, but his hair's all drenched and. But he's yeah. still smiling, not smiling, but he's still got that kind of cool, like, this is amazing. Like, as an actor, he's like, this is amazing. I'm getting to to drive a hovercraft, which is cool. You can tell he just loves that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I read you, man. I think the story overall, it's, um, you're right. Yeah, it's kind of on the, it's on the cusp of being a right belter, like a proper classic. But it just, for me it's the for, for one it's the spiders for me yeah not how they look per se but certainly they just don't seem i think it might be the voices maybe they just seem a little bit well for a start they get irritating after listening to them for about two minutes uh and especially the end sequence where he goes to see you know the great one and uh the <laughs> voice is even more like sh- just this shrilling like kind of uh voice uh but the other thing was um there doesn't seem to be any sense of urgency in the story either so we we get the the fact that it's all about the crystal we get that but there's just a few scenes where you would think that it would be like right we're on it we need to get the crystal back now this is important but there's a couple of scenes where Lupton's like, hmm, yeah, we don't have the crystal. Not a problem. Let's just go to the planet of the spiders, no pun intended anyway, and we'll just have a chat. We'll tell them we still have the crystal, even though we don't. Yeah, it'll be all right. And then when the doctor gets the crystal, you know when he brings the guy, the magician guy, who doesn't realize that he's got these oh, powers yeah. so much. And Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. yeah, the doctor's like, well, actually, you do have these powers because you messed up a little bit but you still knew the answer so I could see through it sort of thing. He is, um, uh, he gets the crystal delivered, doesn't he? In a nice little padded envelope, which is weird. Mm. And uh, even then he's just like, oh, this thing. Oh, yeah. Right, I'll, play, <laughs> I'll play with that later. And then they carry on talking. And then later on in the story, um, the, the, the guy who's like, uh, I think he's got some kind of mental problem, the guy that is in the monastery. Tommy. Uh, Tommy, yeah, played by John Kane. Very well, really good performance from John Kane. Lovely, yeah. He kind of gets exposed to the power of the crystal and then it turns his mind and it's very unpolitically correct later when Sarah Jane's like, oh, you're normal now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I, I cringed at that. Yeah. yeah, but you know, it's kind of his IQ has been accelerated up because of the crystal and stuff like that. Even that I like whole the fact bit, he says, I hope not, though. It kind uh, of like, it was a cringy line, but I like the fact he says, oh, I do hope not. Exactly, yeah. On its head, yeah. That's awesome, yeah. But, yeah. but that whole part of the story where he's got the crystal and because he's the last person that they would expect to be to be in, 
custodian of it, everyone else is just sort of plodding around. It's like, mm. Mm, yeah, we need to get this. The crystal is the key. Without the crystal, we can't really do anything. But everyone's just like, Meh. we'll probably get round to that later. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I mean. There's, there's, there doesn't seem to be any sense of... Um, I know it's weird to say, but it's almost like they needed a little bit of... It would be impossible at the time, but it needs a little bit of modern who brushed over it. We need a lot of running down corridors and a lot of, um, you know, a sense of urgency. So other than those two things, it's a really good story. I wasn't disappointed with it. Uh, I think I've only seen this one a few times. I think it's like the third time I've watched it over the years. Um, so, and every time I've watched it, I've always thought, oh, this is really good. Like, especially the first couple of episodes, it's it's good. But then it just, yeah, it just plods. It's a real plodder, this one. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're right about the agency. I think that's why I think the chase sequence is, is bizarre to be so early on in the story. Because I think that's the thing. You get that epic stuff at the start, and then it really does plod a bit after that and it's not um it's not plod as in oh god i'm really this is it's not boring it there's the, you know i still find it a good story to watch but like you said there's no you're absolutely right there's no urgency and um there's no build-up really mm. to to you know the doctor regenerating and i some people might like that because it's different it's a bit understated but i don't know i found it because i love i love the scene when he's talking to his um, guru, his old teacher, and he's like, you must face your fear, Doctor. You know, the, this is your fault. You stole the crystal, your greed and all this. And I think Terence Dix didn't like that. He's like, oh, it shouldn't, the Doctor shouldn't be yeah, flawed. Yeah. But I, I quite like it. The Doctor has to face his fear, but it just feels a bit anticlimactic. I always feel quite let down by the regeneration at the end. Uh, although I love the fact that the guru is there with him at the end. I don't know. I'm so conflicted by it. There are so many <laughs> bits I love. It just, like you said, I just feel slightly frustrated. It feels like it, Oh, it's just so close to being <laughs> amazing. And it's just feels a little bit flat. It's like, here we go again. Yeah. Roll to- credits, you know, and you get this strange shot of Tom Baker, not looking anything like Tom Baker, which I always thinks weird as well. I think it's just the angle with his nose and his hair. The shot well. of Tom yeah. and hair. Yeah. looks nothing like Tom. Yeah. Um, he hasn't got the big permed, uh, mushroom shape sort of head as he? he's just he actually looks quite dapper he looks you know i yeah. wonder if they've sort of done his hair to look like pertwee maybe they've like straightened a lot of it out haven't they and parted it and yeah, yeah it just doesn't look like him at all and it's a really quick fade just between the two actors as well there's no special effect or anything added to sort of jazz it up at all it's a really you know and I, that must have been a conscious decision it must have been a bit like moffat with going from Matt Smith to Peter Capaldi, that snap, you know, they just wanted to do something quick and that's it. Mm. New doctors here. Let's go. But, um, the, yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah. The regen, to be honest with you, for me, Nick Courtney was the best thing about that whole regen scene at the end. Cause it is a bit lame. Let's be honest. It's, um, it is a bit, yeah. we don't really see anything. We don't even know anything's wrong with him to begin with. He just, he gives the crystal to the great one and he knows that, if she starts to use it, it, this kind of um, feedback loop thing that he's warned her about, he knows it's going to destroy her and everything, but he still does it. And uh, But you don't see anything wrong with him. He just walks away. And then cut to uh, the brig and um, Sarah Jane. And they're like, oh, we haven't seen him. He's been gone for a few weeks. And he just turns up and something's wrong with him. We don't know quite exactly what's going on. 
and he collapses. It's just really lame. And like you said at the end, the regen is just like, it's not really, I think they're trying to make it emotional as well. Because I think Liz Layden's trying really hard to bring the emotion to that scene. Because mm. she starts crying and then the doctor's like, a tear, Sarah Jane. And then he. Which is a nice line. Yeah. yeah and then, but that's it. And then, like you said, at the end, the 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 wipe, you know, the fade between Pertwee and Baker's really quick. And then Baker's face is only on screen for like two and a half seconds. And that's it. It's yeah. gone. But Nick Courtney's just brilliant because there's, I don't know if it's Nick Courtney doing this or if it was written as the brig to do this, but he's got that, I just can't be bothered with this anymore kind of vibe <laughs> about him. He's got, <laughs> he's, um, first of all, with Sarah Jane, he's just like, oh, don't worry. You know, he'll turn up, you know, turns up from time to time. And once I saw him, you know, he's been gone for, for months and then he turned up with a new face and, you know, he's just very matter of fact about it. And yeah. then when he's going through it, he's just like, hmm. He's sort of got this one eyebrow raised kind of look about him. He's like, hmm, here we go again. He's just yeah. got that. <laughs> I just can't be doing with this. Not again. Not again. He's just brilliant in that scene. you got to love the brick. I, I, I've got to admit, I was confused why the, the, the first time I watched this. Because mm. I, I think, I, you know, I was so excited to see, you know, the very, very first time I ever watched this, I was so excited to see how the Doctor third doctor sort of regenerated like that because i didn't really know um and i think i i was confused i was like so he's delivered the crystal he's there was sort of this build-up about him facing his greatest fear so i was like what so what's killed him i couldn't work it out i was mm. like is he is it the spider like because like you said he kind of walks off and then you you know he's supposed to be gone months so he falls out the tardis something about being lost in the in the vortex or something and I'm like, but, but what's happened to him? But I think it's supposed to be. It's just not made clear on screen, is it? Is it supposed to be the some radiation or something from the crystal? You know, it's it's not that clear on screen. I have to be honest. No, it's um, not. Yeah, that's exactly it. So when she puts the crystal in place and starts using it, the doctor absorbs like huge. It's a bit like um the end of the end of time. You know, when Tennant goes in and he absorbs all the radiation and he's fine yeah. for a bit, and then he and then he pops it. It's that's that kind of thing. Like Russell just ripped this off in a in a way, so the Doctor's fine. He seems fine, but then the other weird thing as well is that they kind of clumsily. It's a little bit weird. It's like when Sarah says, "Where have you been?" He's like, "Oh, I got lost in the time. <laughs> I got lost in the time vortex for a bit, but I'm all right now." And this supposedly happens for weeks. So, by the way, Nick Briggs, that's probably a whole big finish series you've got there. I'm what just the third that. Doctor did those weeks, because for, for people on Earth, for Sarah Jane, it was weeks. For the Doctor, it could have been decades, hundreds of years that he was lost in the time vortex. So there's a whole series of stories you could do there. But it just seems a bit clumsy. Mm. Like, what Doctor, where have you been? And he just can't seem to... It just seems unlikely. Because they bigged the TARDIS up earlier. You know, who says it to the Doctor? You almost describe, I think it's Yates that says, you describe the TARDIS as being alive. And he's like, yes, I do, don't I? And so I think they kind of give the TARDIS a lot of credit. Like, you know, so it seemed weird that the TARDIS wouldn't self-land somewhere safe. Mm. Uh, it just seemed clumsy, dude. A bit, a little yeah, bit Yeah, it, it should, should be made more explicit, I think, exactly what's happened to mm. him. Um, and again, that sort of makes me feel like it just feels a little bit unfinished you know like oh we, we, i don't know whether i suppose it's stopped two of the time they kind of filmed it oh that's you know we've got to get this done the effects are on let's get it out there um you know i think today's television made differently they would have 
you know, definitely sort of tweaked a few bits here, here and there. Uh, you mentioned Yates there. This is one of the things I do like about this story um, is that they do bring in elements from the Third Doctor's era from previous stories into this. So Yates is back um, after being, you know, a traitor in brackets. <laughs> he's, you know, he's trying to find um, peace at this, you know, meditation place. He's trying to redeem himself, which is cool. So I like the fact that they're, uh, redeeming the character of Yates. Um, I love the fact that the crystal's central to the story, and I agree with you that it it could have been utilised a lot better. Like the urgency of this crystal could definitely be better. But I love the fact that they bring that back, and you know we get that love letter from Joe Grant, and you know that's all great. Mm. So we sort of hear from Joe, and oh, lovely. Um, you've got obviously Unit. See, this is the other thing. You've got great elements, but units sort of disappear after episode two yeah or is it even episode one that you know i'm thinking this is john's last story and unit have been such a massive part of his era they're they're hardly in it really are they apart from yeah so after the chase sequence they kind of take a bit of a back seat don't they yeah and then we get the brig just pops up at the end um Mm. so yeah again i felt like unit should have been in it a bit more for john's last story somehow that could have definitely helped um, pad out a couple of the episodes because the the cliffhangers as well for episodes four and five are dreadful (laughs) i mean this is john's last story and they're really really weak cliffhangers aren't they and i think especially between episodes five and six you can tell that the episode's under running because there's this weird thing going on with the editing where the original cliffhangers sort of five minutes before where it should have been so they've had to find a new cliffhanger can't really find one so we'll just end on that and then in the next episode we get the same scenes played again but with extra scenes in between because they've had to chop the episodes up and it's really Mm. weird it's very sort of a i suppose at the time you probably wouldn't have noticed because you didn't have dvds you would have just been watching it and you could only ever watch it once and you probably wouldn't have thought anything of it but Mm. you know when you've watched it a couple of times it's there's a weird thing going on with the editing because you can tell the episodes are under running and they're trying to chop them up to, you know, find a good place to end them. And yeah, it does again, that doesn't help. Yeah. That's because the stuff that they had shot for episode five, which was a bunch of special effects work, Barry Letts just hated it afterwards. Oh, right. So that special, I assume it was the, um, the blue screen stuff maybe, but apparently yeah. yeah, they shot a bunch of special effects based scenes. Barry Letts was like, no way. So they chopped it, and then that leaves a gap because you have to fill the time slot exactly. So what do they do? There's nothing you can do, really. They just have to go back and sort of shoehorn in <laughs> a bunch of stuff. Yeah, it does seem weird, though, because I thought we normally get a little recap of about 45 seconds to a minute at the start of each episode from two onwards, which is just... Um, it happens with all of Classic Who, doesn't it? You always get that minute or 45 seconds where you have a... It replays the cliffhanger. Or just, or you know, shortly after that. But for that one, I was like, okay. I remember the first time I watched it, I thought there was a problem with the disc. I thought, oh, am I, am I yeah. playing like the, is it playing the previous episode again? Uh, yeah, and then you're right. It does this weird thing where it intersects other scenes and you're like, mm-hmm, okay, not sure what's happening. But then it just gets back on track like nothing's happened. Yeah. So you've got this weird little two and a half minute thing of just weirdness. So it is weird, but... Um, but you make a very good point though, I think in 
because it's John's last story, you would have thought that they would have gone all out on a few things. You would have thought that, let's say for argument's sake, they were aware of the quote-unquote formula for classic Who that's more than three or four parts, where you do have a strong, typically a strong opener. It might dip down a little bit in the middle, but then the ending builds up and it's very cool. You would have thought that they would have kind of stuck to that um, and, and really nailed it in those final two episodes to sort of give him such a good, strong, explosive story to go out on. Uh, and I think that's a contributor to to um, to why it doesn't really feel like it's up there with the other, you know, bona fide classics. And when you look at the ratings as well, the ratings kind of reflect that. So it opened with 10.1 million viewers, which is kind oh. of astonishing. But then it dips down and dips down like you would expect it to do. But then part five at 9.2. So it dips down to like 8.2 million. Then it jumps up to 9.2 for part five because people are expecting, because they've been used to that with Classic Who, they're expecting that build up now, the final two episodes. So part five, they're expecting that right now it's going to ramp up and get serious. And then we're going to come back for part six and have the conclusion. But because it's part five is just really, really slow and ploddy, the viewers drop back down again to eight point something for the finale. So that's, I think that also reflects potentially the issue with the storytelling. It doesn't have yeah. that big enough build up, as you said earlier, um, uh, into the final conclusion from part five. Um, but it's just so weird that they didn't do anything about that, even in the planning or as they were going through it, surely. Cause we've got some masterminds here, the doctor who, even though, um, uh, Robert Holmes wasn't involved. I think this is the first story that Barry Letts, either as producer or director, uh, has worked on a story that um, Robert Holmes hasn't written. So even though Robert Holmes wasn't involved, somebody like Barry Letts or the other people involved surely would have been like, this doesn't feel strong enough. It doesn't feel like, you know, and then when the viewers dropped off, they were like, oh crap, yeah, we probably should have done more from, in part six. I'm surprised, actually. Yeah, you're right, because you've got, you know, Barry Letts and I'm thinking Terence Dix, you would have thought would be the man to just step mm. in and tweak mm. these things because, you know, Terence just got Doctor Who and especially third, you know, Pertwee's era, just he just understood it brilliantly. Um, so, yeah, it's surprising they didn't sort of, I think, bring in a bit more of like unit and the other stuff because that whole chase sequence is just for John. They, they give, they put that in there just for John Pertwee because you know, they know he loves that sort of stuff. So it's surprising that towards the end of this, this, this story, they don't give more of that. Um, I don't know how, I mean, cause Barry Letts, I think wrote quite a bit of this uncredited, didn't he? Um, and I think Terence Dix obviously contributed, but I don't know how quickly they had to write it or because Originally, you know, it would have been, it was something called the final game, wasn't it? It was going to be the big finale to the series with Roger Delgado's master um, sacrificing himself to save the Doctor's life. It was going to be a really epic story to end the season. Um, of course, as we know, Roger Delgado sadly uh, was, was killed in a, a car accident, I think, wasn't he? Um, yeah. So, so you, know, the, those, you know, that story was abandoned. So I don't know if that plays a part in it. I don't know how far that story ever got to come in to be made. I don't know how much of it was written. Um, so I don't know if this was a sort of 
rushed script in a sense. Um, that might be why, but I mean, I don't know. It's, it's when you read that, you know, this, this story, the final game, you just think that's the story that Pertwee's Doctor sort of deserved to grow on because he's battled the master <laughs> so many times throughout his era. It's almost ludicrous, really. But because Roger Delgado's master is so good, you you forgive it because you, you don't care that you've seen him a million times. You just love Delgado's master. So it would have been epic, I think, um, for Pertwee's yeah. Doctor to have gone out like that. And an interesting twist as well of it was sort of going to be left unsaid whether the master actually you know saved the doctor's life or or whether he did it by accident it was but you kind of felt like he'd actually done it because when it came down to the wire he couldn't bring himself to kill the doctor really you know the the whole thing with the master i think that terence dick says is that they the master loved the cat and mouse game you know he never really Mm -hmm. wanted to kill the doctor otherwise why light a fuse on a bomb that's 10 you know feet long you know if he wanted to kill the doctor he could do it (laughs) and vice versa it's it's all about the, the game so you know when it came down to the wire um the master could never actually do it so i think that that would have been the way you'd want the third doctor era to end but it, it just wasn't to be because of what happened in real life really so i don't know that probably plays a part in 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 this story and how this one ended up being what it is yeah and it's still a yeah. good story i think that's the thing if it was if it wasn't John's last story, it'd still be considered a great story, wouldn't it? You'd say, oh, the one with the spiders, that's a good one. And, but because it's John's last, you want just that little bit more from it, I think. Yeah, no, I agree, you know? dude, totally. Yeah. yeah. I think there's also a slight distraction as well because it's the, again, they did some firsts with this one. It's the first time that the actual phrase and term regeneration is spoken mm. about in Doctor Who. So they... The, obviously, the Brigadier talks about it with Sarah Jane, and there's that scene where uh, the Doctor and and Sarah Jane are with um, Canpo, the older uh, time when, when he's time lord when he's in his older. Yes, you know. Uh, so that's the other thing. We've got another time lord in the mix. We're talking about regeneration and all that stuff. It's a little bit of a distraction as well because that scene goes on for quite a long time. Mm. And it kind of sits at the back of your mind after that as well. That's that soon as he says to the doctor, as soon as Campo says, you must face your face, your fear. And the doctor's face changes and he's got that look of, and it flashes back, doesn't it? So when, um, they, uh, I think the great one from before or something, when he was at, um, Metabolus three and took the crystal, and, you know, she can see into his mind and see his fear and stuff, but we don't see it as a viewer. There's just something there that the Doctor's afraid of, which I assume is death. I, I assume he doesn't want to to die, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Uh, from that point onwards, it kind of plays in your mind because you know that it's a regen story for the Doctor. So you know that Pertwee's on his way out. You just don't know when it's going to come or what's going to happen. So once they, as soon as they plant the seed in that scene, that's really part of what you're thinking about as the story then progresses. You're thinking, is this going to be the bit where he goes? Is that going to be the bit? And then you think, well, no, because they've got to play out all parts. So we we can safely say that we've got him doing some some uh, some karate chops and stuff up until part oh, six. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, um, and then in part six, you're definitely thinking, right, when's he going to go? What's going to happen? But like we said, 
they wait right up until the last minute, a little bit clumsy and stuff. But So I think there's a bit of a distraction as well with the whole regeneration thing because we also see another... We, we see um, we see that the other Time Lord, who the Doctor considers a bit of a mentor, I suppose, they put it across as. Um, we see him regenerate weirdly. Now, this is weird because this particular Time Lord hasn't wanted anybody to see him in his old frail state so he's projected the image of choji and mm. that's who they interact with but choji's not really real but then when kanpo regenerates at the end he turns into choji so yeah. it's almost like this particular time lord has got control over what he wants to appear as his next form after he regenerates so you've kind of got all that stuff going on as well so I do think it provides a wee bit of a, it kind of takes you off the path to what the story is actually about um, in a way. So I know we've been a little bit negative here, but there are some great things in the story, which we'll come on to now. But yeah, I, I think to round this, this off, it's not a, a true classic, but it is nearly there isn't it? Yeah, 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 definitely. It feels like it's 90% there. It feels just like it needed one more sort of, uh, it feels like it needed Terence to come in and say, right, Barry, let me see what you've got. <laughs> okay, we just need to do a few little tweaks here and there, and it would have been an absolute belter. And uh, like I said, if it sounds like I'm being negative, I, when I get to my score, you'll realise I do still really enjoy this story. I do really like it. It's just there are things about it that sort of slightly frustrate me. And uh, I think things that I can't understand, decisions to do with the story that I can't quite understand um, in terms of the way it flows. Because it, yeah. it almost feels like a puzzle that you've, you've, you've put all the bits together, but you've accidentally put a couple of bits in the wrong place, but they still fit it. You know what I mean? It just feels like it needed to go back and go, oh, silly me, That's that should be there. That's... That's better. That now that just is, you know, just flows. Uh, so yeah, that's just how I feel when I watch it. Really, it's just yeah, it's good, but it could have been great. I think. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So what did you think? Like, let's talk about some cast members then. Actually, no. Let's talk about the spiders first, just quickly. <laughs> so the other thing, the other thing um, that I found a little bit odd is that although it's a story about spiders, we don't typically see anything arachnid going on if that makes sense mm. you would expect them to, maybe if this was a maybe it was a limitation i guess of the physical effects that they could do at the time but uh they certainly had no money to make animatronic spiders or anything like that so they can only really do them as like moving in a straight line and then when they're talking they just raise up and down the <laughs> when they're on that table yeah <laughs> but having said that it still doesn't feel very because it had the potential to be a real horror-esque scary story because uh for somebody like my wife for example who's absolutely terrified of spiders i think she would sit through this quite comfortably i don't think there's anything in there that's really like normally with spider stories you are it's like a combination of like the big fangs at the front you get the close-up of all the eyes that look menacing um there's cobwebs everywhere you don't really get any of that for a spider story they focus more on they kind of just sound like humans it's more just uh you know what i mean it's it's more just these spiders could have well have just been another cast of human actors um it didn't have to be anything and i know the distinction is there but like 
uh, we need some kind of monster because it's Doctor Who and spiders are a natural frightening thing for a lot of people. But I feel like it just wasn't quite... Yeah, but... So I, I love the concept of that. I love like Planet of the Spiders. But the title's a little bit misleading as well because we only go there a couple of times. The rest of the time it's all on earth isn't it and it's um stuff like that so uh, so the spiders i was kind of i i understand that due to the limitations they look as good as they can do but i just felt like they needed to be scarier they needed to have that more like play on the fears that a lot of humans have naturally mm. of spiders and stuff you don't really get that i think they were trying to do more of a mental fear like the spiders controlling your mind and mind control like the scene with with um Liz Sladen when she's controlled, really scary. That was good, but the rest of it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm the same. I, I spiders creep me out. <laughs> so when I watch this, um, the spiders look better than I remembered in terms of the actual props. The problem is they're so static, um, so they're not really creepy. And I, I was thinking the same. I was thinking, really, I should be creeped out by this because even the sight of spiders makes me go a bit oh. Um, but that and it's but I'm not that there's no sort of fear or creepiness at all from these spiders and I think it's not down to the actual look of them which is what I previously thought um, I think the actual they've done a good job in making them for the time but it's just the fact the way they're shot and um, just the limitations like you said like the fact they have to put them on these <laughs> tables uh, because I guess because the actors have got to talk to them. I don't know what else they could have done. They've got to raise them up somehow. So they're just these spiders sat on the table having a little conversation. And uh, it, it just doesn't make them scary. And I think one of the people involved in the production said, you know, it's it's the set um, and the lighting, you know, and, and the way it's shot. Like, it, you know, they probably could have looked quite creepy because the only bits I, where I do find them creepy well, really, it's just that scene you mentioned, I think, when it's on Sarah's back. That that does that's the only bit that makes me oh makes my shoulders go up a bit. Yeah. It, yeah. There's something about that that I do find that's the bit that actually freaks me out. If we'd have had more of that, um, they would have been more of a threat, I think. Because mm. that that's brilliant. Because that uh, yeah, even thinking about it, that that does send a shiver. Yeah. You know. Um, but the voices as well, I can't make up my mind because <laughs> the very first time I watched this, the voices just ruined it for me. I was like, oh, you know, the voice, why have they done that? It's just too comedic. Over time, I've sort of grown to like it, but it doesn't make them scary. That's the thing. It's, I think only the, the one at the end, the um, queen one, when she's going mad, I think that's the only bit where I quite like it because she's just really going crazy, isn't she? Yeah, but, she's yeah, going mad, I think yeah. the voices <laughs> perhaps weren't quite right either to be honest. Mm. Um, I don't know. I've grown to, I don't, as I said, I really didn't like it the first time I watched it, but over the years I've kind of got used to it. I suppose I think I've sort of grown to like it for what it is, the voice, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe a more whispery, quite creepy voice would have been better. I think to so. make them more yeah. too scary. Um, just quickly. What I remember I didn't realize that um, until uh, rewatching this yesterday, Kevin Lindsay played Chi Chi, no Cho Ji, the projection <laughs> the guy who turns <laughs> up at the end. Um, I didn't realise he was uh, Lynx. Played Lynx in um, in um, what was it uh, the other third Doctor story, <laughs> the Sun Time one, Time Warrior. Yeah, he was Lynx. 
uh, the Sontaran in the Time Warrior. Ah, I didn't realise okay. that was him. No. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Sontaran out of his casing there. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah I didn't realise that was him. Yeah, no, I agree on the spiders, dude. Very static and just a bit, and the voices as well. Yeah, I don't know. But you can see, you can absolutely see though when you go back and watch uh, classic who you can definitely tell that Russell is just a huge fan of all the details from classic who because in turn left where we have the beetle on the back yes 100 percent. yeah and it disappears and you can't see it exactly the same and then it's controls to a degree and stuff so yeah, yeah you can definitely see the influences that come through and you don't necessarily put two and two together i mean when you were watching turn left you probably thought oh that was like the the spiders in Planet of the Spiders, but it's not until you go back and watch it properly that you get the mind link and an all, you know, it's very cool. But it was, um, yeah. The other thing that was, uh, that was kind of cool that they should have used a bit more was the power that the spiders gave the humans that they linked up with. Mm. So there was, oh, in a similar way that Classic Q does, with um with the special effects as well as the physical stuff sometimes is that the physical stuff is quite static as you said but even the the visual effects like when the actors just put their hand out and the lightning you know comes out of it that seems very labored it's mm. like it's like a, a big setup where it's just a static camera on them and they take a big step forward and thrust their arm out but there's no immediate lightning it's like a second delay yeah. And then it happens, you know, so all that happened. There's a one scene, isn't there, where the four dudes in the monastery have all got the spiders on because mm. the spider's like, okay, we'll go back, but we'll trick them. So they don't come back on the big thing on the floor, the big uh, illustration thing. Um, and then they inhabit the, the bodies of the guys. And there's a bit where all four of them are having a crack at Tommy. And he's standing guarding the door to the cellar. And they all individually sort of do the lightning and stuff and do he's the like, emperor lightning Ugh. yeah from star wars yeah and then they yeah. all team up they all go like hum and hum, 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 hum. <laughs> and then they get the big power that does nothing either and it's like come on just you know get the big lightning out you know because mm. the spiders are doing their nut they're like concentrate, yeah. <laughs> and the guys are like all right cool but then, you know tom he's resilient old tom he's he's been exposed to the crystal yeah. he's good what do you think to tommy then because he was an interesting uh an interesting character that you kind of felt sorry for for most of the story but then when he um sort of becomes like tommy 2.0 he's like <clears throat> sorry he's um he's very confident and he's strong and he's really nice to sarah jane and yeah. you know he's, he, he just comes into his own like it's but then on the same on on the same sorry on the other side of the coin it is kind of you do almost wish him to go back to because like you said earlier that lovely scene where she's like you're normal and he's like i hope not mm. so but yeah he was a, he was an interesting character and i think he was needed because they really needed some variation because all the guys in the monastery they all the, they're all the same yeah. like you know middle-aged white guy you know come to the monastery to do this thing and they all talk the same they've all got the same views and they've all got the same goals and everything so he, he i think he was really needed to shake things up a bit he was good yeah no he is he, he brings something to the story definitely doesn't he I, I think it's a lovely character and and um i can't think that we've seen anyone like that in doctor who uh, particularly up to this point i can't think of any other character that's sort of um 
you know, portrayed like that, uh, particularly. Um, so I think it's a lovely character. I think it's a really nice performance, um, from, uh, John Kane who played Tommy. Um, yeah. And it's lovely. It's just, it's just great. I, I felt really sorry for him because you instantly warm towards the character and when he is game thunderbolted towards the end, <laughs> you do, you're like, no, leave Tommy alone. You know, you are actually getting engaged in the story and uh, wanting him to survive and, and um, yeah, so it's a really, it's a good character and a, a great performance. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was good for sure. Uh, what do you think to Lupton then? The, the main, <laughs> <laughs> the main dude with the crazy hair that gets a bit, uh, doesn't, doesn't look as neat for a lot of the episode cause he's been, he's he looks run ragged. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I quite like Lupton. I, I don't know. He's, he's the sort of actor that's got this great face, isn't he? He just looks mm. sort of villainous, but also you, you sort of feel a bit sorry for him, really, because he really looks like he's put through the ringer by that blimmin' spider, <laughs> doesn't he? He looks like he's he's had a bad day. Um, yeah, I don't know. He, oh, I thought it was a, a decent performance from, is it John Durst? Durst? Not sure how you say his surname. <laughs> uh, oh, John Durst, yeah. Durst, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I thought it was a good performance from him. As I said, I just thought he had this look about him as well, which is quite engaging and stuff, but... Yeah. yeah, I like it when he stands up for himself as well because he's quite weak to begin with, isn't he? The spider's like giving him a bit, of, bit of a hard time. Yeah, and he's oh yeah, and then he sort of seems to find a bit of a backbone, start standing up for himself, which of course gets him killed. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I thought he was all right. I quite liked Lupton. Yeah. yeah, he made me laugh. He was all, he was on that verge of really hamming it up in some places. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, he does this. I mean, we have that nice little speech where. He was basically a salesman, wasn't he? And he got fired and mm-hmm. now he's worked hard to establish some kind of power and he's on the verge of getting all the power and he's going to control the <laughs> earth and the universe and stuff. Um, and yeah, so he, as he's going through those scenes, especially when he's like sort of uh, trying to put his authority to the spiders and stuff, um, he's on. He's, he's near, he's approaching kind of chewing the woodwork a little bit. Yeah. He's got that very kind of... Uh, classic british old school villain vibe about him um so yeah but i'm not sure if the story would have needed that or not i can't decide because he's kind mm. of okay as he is but i would like to have seen him just really go for it in a couple of scenes you feel like he's going to don't you you're like he's building yeah, up to it yeah. and it never really happens uh which is a bit of a shame i'd like to have seen that as well yeah because there's a yeah. couple of bits where you, yeah you're right you, you get to that point where he's like right he's gonna he's gonna blow his top in a minute yeah and he's really gonna go for it but then he just sort of puts his hands in his pockets and he's like we'll revisit this plan later <laughs> and then somebody else barging is like you fool and then he gets the ump again. So he's a bit up and down, but yeah, it, I don't know. He just like the story. He sort of gets to 90% and then sort of clocks back a bit and he's just Fizzles out. Yeah. 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 Did he's you notice him away. slip over in the mud? Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, shall I go again? No, yeah, leave yeah, it. Yeah. no one will notice when it's in the chase secrets and he goes flying. <laughs> yeah. It's really funny though. When um, they're all standing around. So the Huma bills there, uh, Betty and stuff. They think he's done a runner. Uh, how did they not know that he was getting back into the little the little helicopter? Because they're all standing there, and one of oh, them. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has time to run up to the helicopter, put the helmet on, get in, start the engine up, and it's only then they all turn around like, 
Oh no! Oh I know he's in the he- he's in the helicopter. It's brilliant because they're standing in a circle. So one of them must have been looking directly at the helicopter. But I did think that. <laughs> yeah, one of those quirky little sort of things where, as a director, probably Robert Sloman's like, right, we know that you're probably going to see him. If this was in real life, you'd see him. But for dramatic effect, we need it to be a surprise. So just yeah, carry on look- chatting amongst yourselves. Don't pay any attention to John Durth. He's going to get in the chopper. And then when I, you know, I'll give you the cue, then turn around and look surprised. It must have been that kind of... Shocked face, yeah. The shocked faces, <laughs> yeah. But it was it was kind of cool, though. But uh, what did you think to the Hoomerbill? I was talking about those vehicles, and we spoke yeah. about the little helicopter. That was a weird little thing wasn't it it was like it was like a james bond concept car that just flunked out of the ideas phase and it's just been left in a studio somewhere and doctor who's like i will have that it's perfect <laughs> <laughs> i think I, the humor bill's an odd one isn't it uh, because i think no didn't john pert we have it custom wasn't it actually john pert was car i'm sure he had it custom made um because i i don't know the thing is with john pert is he does tell stories and they get more exaggerated every time he tells them so i'm never quite sure what the true story is but i think i'm right in saying john pertwee had that thing built <laughs> for himself and then said to barry let's well we need to have this in the show barry and barry was like yeah it's great let's have it in the show um i think that's the sort of gist of it anyway but i don't know it's very of its time isn't it i bet back in the what would this have been 1970 Four. Yeah, I yeah. bet back then it looked. You saw this on the screen. You're like, "Wow, look at the Doctor's futuristic car! It's amazing." <laughs> and it kind of looks a bit of its time now. But it's so it's classic, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I think if I was watching this as a kid back in 1974, I would have loved the Hoobermobile. It would have been like I would have wanted one. I would have wanted to go flying in it. It just would have been you know, so futuristic, I think. Yeah. But uh, but 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 now I suppose it's easy to look at it and think, <laughs> oh, God, that looks ridiculous. Looks a bit um, weird, doesn't it? Yeah. But, yeah, I think it was John Pertwee's car because I remember him saying he, he kept getting stopped by the police and then they, he'd, right, he'd yeah. open the visor and they'd be like, oh, it's John Pertwee off, on your way mm-hmm. sort of thing. I don't know. Um, yeah. But if you had a – so if you had a choice, if I said to you, there's the car park, Gary. You can either take oh, – you know, we're, we're going to a convention. <laughs> you can either take Bessie – but you can take the Hoomobile. I'm afraid the the helicopter's out of action. Which would you have, Bessie or the Hoomobile? Uh, I'm going to go with Bessie. You go Bessie? Yeah. Classic. Classic, Classic yeah. I think I'd be too, well, I'd be too confined and claustrophobic in the Hoomobile. Yeah, it's got that funny visor yeah. front, isn't it? I just imagine you'd open it up and there'd be some sort of disco balls and, I don't know, like a little drinks cabinet and, mm. I don't know, something, yeah, it's, I'm not sure. I'd probably go with Bessie, but I, I like the Hoomobile. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a bit of its time, but it's, cla- it's classic. Yeah, you're right, though. I think Pertwee had it as just one of his own cars, didn't he? For... Yeah, I'm sure he tells his story that it was his. Yeah, and... he kept it after he left. He just kept it. Same number plate as well. Was it yeah. HVO or two or something like that? Yeah. 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 Um, but apparently the Briggs miffed about that because the Brig alludes to the fact that the doctor had used unit funds <laughs> to make Bessie and the Hume and the Huma bill, which is great, isn't it? Yeah. I tell you, I wish, I wish Nick Courtney was in this more um, because the first couple of episodes when he's with the doctor, especially episode one, when, uh, when they're at the theater, it kind of starts with that, doesn't it? It's just the relationship between those two is so brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, and Nick brilliant. Courtney is just so relaxed in playing the role and, 
him and Pertwee, you just see the friendship coming through on screen, don't you? They're just sat there delivering this laid back, brilliant performance of the brig enjoying what well, we don't see any of it, but there's obviously been some, you know, a woman on stage, you know, is a bit, <laughs> you know, he's enjoyed that scene and the doctor's teasing him about it. You know, it's a really great friendship between those two. And then they bring in Professor Clegg, uh, who's this clairvoyant in brackets, and that's all great. I just, I just wish the brig was in it more because I love those early scenes with him and the Doctor. There's a real fun cheekiness because there's a bit where Clegg starts talking about the Briggs. Something starts talking about the what is it? He says, "Oh, there was a girl, a girl. called Doris yeah. or something." And then, <laughs> the bro, that's enough. The Briggs, like, that's enough. And the Doctor's like, "Yes, I think maybe too much bigger deal." Yeah. <laughs> Lovely scenes like that, you Brilliant, know. I just, yeah. yeah, and that's what you want from. Pertwee's last story, isn't it? It's, it's great scenes like that. Yeah, he's just you know, great, so I wish, man. wish he was in it a bit more. Um, Clegg, by the way, just while we're talking about him, but I love Professor Clegg. Oh, he was brilliant, I love, I, I love yeah. it when we get a, a, a nutty professor in Doctor Who, and I love it even more when they play it kind of straight. You know, he just he, it's a, just a great performance. Again, it's not doing the whole, oh, look at me, I'm bonkers, I'm a professor. You know, it's not over the top. It's a great performance from... Uh, Cyril Shapps, isn't Cyril it? Cyril Shapps, yeah. They should have gone yeah. with his real name. It's a cool, quirky yeah. guy. Yeah. But yeah, it's good, isn't he, Clegg? I, I love all the stuff when the Doctor's handing in the Sonic, and of course you would have winced because we see a Drashig, and uh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Drashig makes an appearance. Um, yeah, and then you get the bit with the Brig, which is funny, and then finally he gives him the Crystal, which um, doesn't uh, end well. But um, yeah, mm. great character, Clegg, isn't he? Very nice performance. Yeah, and a bit of a Doctor Who... Uh regular at this point so he was in tomb of the cybermen ambassadors of death went on to do androids of tara yeah when we reviewed androids of tara we said didn't we oh we recognize that guy what has he been in oh yeah i forgot yeah. he was in that yeah yeah but no, he was he was very cool very cool and he played that kind of sheepish um oh no no nothing's wrong here it's just a magician to <laughs> just earning the money sort of thing and it, it's it's quite funny that he he masks his uh because he knows why he's there, you know. So why have you brought me here? Do you want a private show sort of thing? And uh, even though he knows because of his clairvoyancy and his and his powers and stuff, which the Doctor knows that he's got, he still tries to sheepishly sort of like, oh, no, it's, everything's fine here. It's just it's just really cool. Um, but that, that that scene with um, with him, the Doctor and the Brig, it's really, really good. I love it. I love that. Really that good stuff. Thing. Yeah, just fun, isn't it? Fun, and it's it's fun, but it's also progressing the story. You know, mm. it's also giving us more information about what's going on in the story. So it's, you know, it's yeah, it's just really nicely written scene. That yeah, I just can't believe that the crystal was sent to the doctor in the jiffy bag. I just can't <laughs> get my head around that. Yeah. <laughs> like the most important thing in the universe at this point. Not even recorded delivery. No, just, not even a signature needed. Not even just, tracked. Yeah, I think, isn't it Benton that comes in? And is like, oh, by the way, this person just bit of post for you, Doctor. Um, yeah. It's just weird, isn't it? Because I think Benton, Benton, he does a little, uh, he comes in and cracks a little joke, doesn't he? There's a, that, that, all that whole scene there, it's about 15 minutes of all all of them. There's just so much bants going on because Benton comes in and he's like, oh, is this another line of work for you, Doctor? <laughs> and then Briggs like, Benton. <laughs> he's got that sort of, uh, you know, this is business, you know, no no laughing about sort of thing. And he's like, oh, sorry, yeah. let's tell you there. It's all bant, isn't it? It's brilliant. So and again, Benton's hardly in it, but uh, yeah, a great scene, isn't it? Just just those guys. And just you can, it's, it's, it's an end of an era, isn't it? You can just tell that they all got on mm. so well. It's, um, 
yeah, it's just nice to see. Many pints down the local with those lot, I think. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And Pertwee nabbing little mementos from the set, I bet, before he left. Right, what can I have? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you want to touch on Liz Sladen quickly then? Because uh, Yeah, we should, yeah. Yeah, because she has a really good story. She's in it a lot as well. She's, um, mm. yeah, she has a decent part to play in it. And right from the beginning, when, uh, when Yates calls her and says, like, you know, come and have a look, something dodgy's going on. She's just up for it. I love that about her character, uh, which we see right up until the end of the Sarah Jane adventures. She's always up for it. If there's yeah. something that's not quite right, she's there. And even Yates is surprised. He's like, no, 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 what are you doing? I'll handle this bit. You know, you need to leave sort of thing. You know, throws her out the window. And she's like, no, 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 I can I can help. And then she gets uh, she gets mixed up with it a lot more, obviously. But just solid, as always. Really good from her. Yeah, it is good. I mean, it's interesting to see Yates back as well, isn't it? I mean, it, again, playing the part. I like the fact he's playing it differently. You can tell it's a, you know, um, it's a different version of Yates. He's, he's, you know, trying to redeem himself. That's interesting. They're doing something different with the character. And he works really well with Liz at the start. Um, but, yeah, it's a nice performance from Liz Sladen. Uh, as I said, I think that, that shot of the spider on her back is iconic. You know, um, she plays the fear really well. I, I've always, I much prefer Sarah Jane with the Fourth Doctor. I just find their relationship is, they seem to bond better. So I, I although I like Sarah Jane with the Third Doctor, I never really feel that warmth between them that we get later on with Tom. I think they work well together, and it's really touching when the Doctor's regenerating. You can tell that Sarah Jane is. You know, she really cares about Doctor, but I don't know. It doesn't have the same Doctor companion vibe as as like the Third Doctor and Joe Grant, or even yeah. the or even the Third Doctor and um and uh, Carolyn John. I can't think of the character's name. Uh, Liz Shaw. You know, so it doesn't quite. I ne- I never feel that they gel as well. Mm-hmm. The Third yeah. Doctor and Sarah Jane. They just don't seem to have that, that relationship. But I think a lot of that is down to the fact that. Sarah Jane's a much stronger character. I think, you know, whereas the others, the Doctor's very much sort of the grandfather looking after the companion figure. Maybe not so much with Liz Shaw, but definitely with Joe Grant. But with Sarah Jane, she's such a strong character that you don't really feel the Doctor's warmth towards her because he doesn't need to look after her. She can look after herself. So, uh, you know, there's a different dynamic there, I think is what I'm trying to say. And I much prefer her with Fourth Doctor. But, yeah, still really great performance from Mm -hmm. Slade in this, yeah. No, I totally agree, dude. Yeah, I prefer the the third Doctor with Joe. That's Definitely. the best yeah. team up for those two. And yeah, you're right. I think Sarah Jane's probably at her best with Tom. She works well with Tom. Yeah. Just talking to Tom, would you, don't you think, I'm surprised they get him in to do the regen scene and they literally just get him to lie on the floor. And like you said, he's on screen for two seconds at the most. Surely he could have at least sat up or had a line. It's no different to um to Davison, though, is it? Yeah, so I mean, but at least Davison sort of sat up and you got to look at him. You just get this one two second mm. shot of Tom's nose, <laughs> and I just kept thinking at least like sit up or yeah, like you know, Davison just sits up and looks around. And is like, oh, there's our new doctor. But with Tom, you you barely even register, and because they've made him look like Pertwee with the hair and everything, <laughs> you you can barely tell he's changed. I, I don't know. I just think. No, Rita. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. lackluster. He should have had a line or at least, you know, acknowledge the people in the room with him. 
Like, I think if he just sat up and just gone, hello, you know, in the Tom way, just anything. Mm. I just want to see Tom at the end. But No, we do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've got nothing else on my list to go through other than Dudley Simpson's music was kind of cool for the most part, but there, there isn't a lot of music in it. And the music that is in it's quite repetitive, but it's okay for the most part. I just, yeah. I didn't even notice the music at all, which is really odd. I, I can't think, I can't even think of it, which might be a good thing because it might mean it just complemented what was on screen. I really didn't notice the music at all in this one. Yeah. It but, uses a similar theme like throughout every episode, really. Yeah. Yeah. Can't really think of it. I like all the eight legs and two legs stuff. No, the the only other thing I'd got on my thing was the CGI. I know Barry Letts mm-hmm. loved CGI. I think it was such a new thing back then it's a bit like cg it's not cgi sorry barry let's love cso cso yeah i know yeah so yep. it's a bit like cgi now isn't it just mm. way overused i mean i i am not a fan of cgi at all so i think that the problem is with cgi it it dates very quickly and the same can be said for cso um you know there's a lot of cso scenes <laughs> during john Pertwee's era mm-hmm. but again i think back then it would have been like this is great you know we, do, we can put an actor in any scene it just doesn't unfortunately date that well but yeah yeah read you. all right dude it's time for scores right i think it's me to go first this week yeah go for it yeah so i'm gonna give this a i'm gonna give this a seven a round seven for me i think it's a good story don't get me wrong it is a good story but it's just a few there's a a few things in it that just stop it from going up into the eights and nines. Definitely not a 10, but yeah, just a few things that stop it. So it's a solid story, a good third doctor one, but uh, not, not anywhere near his prime, you know, some of his other stories. Yeah. Mm. No, see, it's good. I, I mean, I'm, I'm stuck between the 7.5 and an eight because 7.5 seems too low <laughs> and eight seems too high, but I'm going to go with an eight and I'll, just because of the performances, and I think there is a good storyline there. So I'm really, right. you know, I'm two points away from being a classic. So I'm going to go with an eight. Okay. Fair dues, dude. So an eight from him, seven from me. Let's think, uh, let's have a look to see what our awesome listeners thought. So let's go to our audio reviews. We had four in this week. Ooh. First one, our usual reviewer from Down Under at Sammy Satine. G'day, Gary and Adam, Sammy Satine here. So Planet of the Spiders or Metabellus 3 or perhaps Planet of the Eight Legs. Voiced by three different women, Maureen Morris, the wife of the late great Roger Delgado, Kismet Delgado, and the hermaphrodite hexapod herself, Usain Churchman. I like Tommy. He's such a sweetheart. There are many things I love about this story. Sarah Jane, the brigadier, Sergeant Benton, Captain Yates, Choji, Tommy, the Venusian Aikido, Bessie, and of course, Ruffles! Character, please make a third Doctor wearing his Planet of the Spiders outfit. Please! I love this outfit. The regeneration is very ruffles. Very classy. And honestly emotional. This one makes me feel sad. Because I love ruffles. I give it 10 blue crystals out of 10. See ya. Sammy, straight in with the 10. 10 blue crystals, yes. Nice. Yeah, I know what you mean, Sammy. It does have that kind of emotional feel because you know it's Pertwee's last one and he's on his way out. But uh, I'm glad you like it, though. A 10. Mm. And we know you like Ruffles, Sammy. We know you're a big fan of the old, uh, <laughs> yeah. of the Pertwee. Uh, so thank you very much from Sammy. A 10 there. Let's see what Joe thinks. Joe Turner. 
Sorry I didn't do an audio review, guys, um, last week. Um, I've just been really busy, um, but it was sad to finish SJA. What a show. Uh, anyway, uh, Planet of the Spiders. Like SJA, it stars the wonderful Liz Sladen. She's fabulous in this story, and her relationship with John really blossoms. The story as a whole is a bit slow in places, but at least we get an entire story dedicated to Metabulous 3. Overall, I love Pertwee's regeneration. It's very subtle with some fantastic iconic lines, sacrificing his life for the benefit of the universe. I feel like this story would have benefited from having more scenes on Earth, but not in the same old house. And the ideas of Doctor's teacher was very interesting, and it's always nice to hear more, about, more information about the Doctor's past. There's some amazing chase sequences, the humor bill was so good, along with the mini helicopter, and there was lots of bums. So overall, I'm going to give this episode a 7 out of 10. It's nothing too amazing, but it's just a good solid episode of Who, and one in which I think really does perfectly justice. Thank you. A seven. Cheers, Joe. A 7 from Joe. Yeah, you're right. It does um, yeah, it does slow down in places, but yeah, we do get the opportunity to see like you know all the people back together, the brig and unit and everything like that. So that's not a bad score. Same for me, Joe. A 7. Nice one, dude. Moving on, this is Neil Campbell. What about you fellas? How's it going? So, Planet of the Spiders. I'm not going to lie. When I was a kid, I always hated watching this because it was the end of my favourite era in Doctor Who and the third Doctor is my favourite Doctor. He always has been and always will be. And, I mean, it's it's just something that's always quite sad. And I think the actual story itself, it's okay, there's a bit of padding in it um, and six episodes, which is probably too long, but I think they're trying to include as much as they possibly can, you know, sort of like as a fanfare farewell for the third Doctor. I mean, you have car chases, you've um the chase in the sky, you have the hovercraft chase and stuff. Do you know what I mean? It it makes John Pertwee look brilliant. And um, you know, Lupton's a cool villain. Um at least Mike Yates gets a bit of redemption. The spiders themselves, you know, the CGI is not great, but at the time I think it's a it's a good job. But I think at the end, the third doctor, you know, he went out in a high, he faced his fears, and also on top of that you know, that, that line where the TARDIS brought me home, I thought that was quite nice, considering the third Doctor was always trying to get away from Earth. And one last thing, I think the it, it wasn't very often back then that you would have had um, story arcs and that whole crystal, the blue crystal from Metabetus 3 started, you know, in the Green Death. And here we are, it sealed the third Doctor's fate in the end. So there you go. I'm going to give us a 9 out of 10. Cheers, fellas. A 9. And nine, and I do. I love that line. Actually, the TARDIS brought me back, or brought me home. Brought me yeah. home. yeah, yeah. Even though they had been cruising around the time vortex for a while, <laughs> yep, she got there yeah. in the end. A nine from Neil. Nice one, dude. Yeah, the, the, I think everyone will talk about the chase scenes more than the spiders. Mm. When we talk yeah. about planet, yeah, 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 for sure. Well, thank you very much, Neil. And lastly, this is Martin Arnold. Quickly, to the Hoomobile, and then to Hovercraft, and then the motorbike, and the Hoomobile, and then, oh, half the episode's over. Wow, uh, I love the Hoomobile. Um, so did John Pertwee, apparently. It's a shame that whoever had the bright idea of inventing the thing came up with it at the very, very last minute for the last episode of the, of the character before he regenerates. Uh, oh, well. Planet of the Spiders is a great episode. Um, it's it, it works really well. It doesn't really sag. Um, and I think it's a very strong story. Uh, we get to Metabilis 3 again, sort of. I think he's, he goes there before, doesn't he? There's this whole thing. It's a bit like the Eye of Orion with Peter Davison. He's always talking about Metabilis 3. And then 
at the last minute he goes there and it's a planet ruled by evil spiders which is tautological but true um lupton's a curious villain because he's not really like a, an intergalactic mastermind he's just an angry bloke and you'd think that going to a place to meditate would, would make you a sort of chilled out easygoing character but he's just this angry bloke who just meditates and gets even more angry in the practice it's really odd watching them get really aggressively into the chanting good to see mike yates back again or um captain yates uh, well probably at this point it probably is mike yates he sort of redeems himself um then goes off i guess to have his own adventures um yeah it's, just, it's a really good story um you know, uh, I, I don't quite like the, the Buddhist character, the sort of Time Lord guy. That that felt a bit shoehorned in just to sort of spice up the regeneration. Um, then we meet Tom Baker, who I uh, hope goes on to have a really good career. Um, this is a good episode. I'm going to give it 8 out of 10, though. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. See you next time. <laughs> nice one, Martin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope he goes on to have a nice career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever happened to that Tom Baker. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you make some interesting point, points, Martin. I like the one um, about the Hoomer Bill and stuff and coming up with this cool stuff that they probably should have done earlier on in John's uh, era. But then right at the very end, when he's on his way out, we'll just put in all the cool stuff, you know, like the Hoomer Bill and stuff. And so yeah, I no, just, I agree with you. Yeah, I just got visions of them like building it and for the show and John just driving off in it and then never getting it back. <laughs> just like, Dude, I'm sure you were building this for me. What? Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, nice one, Martin. So that was uh, an eight from Martin, I think. Yeah. Uh, so some decent scores from our audio um, reviewers, as always. Thank you very much, you guys, for taking the time to do that. Let's jump quickly over to the socials on Twitter. Our writer, Jordan, says, good, if a little overrated. Pertwee is just excellent, and Liz Sladen is amazing, as always. Thought this would be better, though, as a four-parter. Yeah, uh, if, probably uh, would. Uh, if does, it does show how selfless the third Doctor is sacrificing himself for the universe, and his regeneration scene is heartbreaking. Uh, Dan Fox, uh, one of the most underrated stories. Uh, I know some people think the chase is pointless, but I love that Pertwee got to use the hovercraft and the Hoomerbill one last time. Creepy concept for the spider secretly being on the back, which no doubt inspired turn left. Uh, Dan gives it an 8 out of 10. Edward Galuli, a solid but overlong end to the Pertwee era, probably the weakest regen story of the classic stuff. 6.5. Sarah Louise, the running Hoovian, says a, f- a fun story which was mostly engaging. Sarah Jane was as plucky as ever, and the Doctor's mm. karate chops and array of vehicle stunts were entertaining. The chant scenes became annoying, though I did find the regen scene to be somewhat lacklustre, almost an afterthought. Uh, she gives it a 7. And lastly, Ooh. TARDISNet66, uh, our mate Will, who normally sends in a review, uh, says uh, an audio review, says, Life has got in the way of sending an audio clip this week, but I feel this is a weak conclusion compared to the strong quality of most of Pertwee's run. Overlong and cluttered pacing and not enough focus for development in the right areas. Has its highlights, though, but a four out of ten. Four? Blimey, Tyler. Four, yeah. Uh, And then over on Facebook, we had a few there. Some of them are quite long, so I'm just going to do these very quickly. Uh, Toby Coleman says, Don't cry while there's life. Uh, anyway, this story is great. It has an episode dedicated for a chase scene, which is so Pertwee that it barely seems filler. Uh, it goes on to give it a 7.5. Uh, Andrew Stewart gives a really long review. Guys, go and check out our Facebook page uh, to read some of these. are really good. But Andrew basically says, uh, sorry, John, but you're my favourite Doctor. I just don't want you to go, in brackets, sob. Uh, and Planet of the Spiders is a really fun romp, and I love it. He loves it. It goes on to give it a 9.5. Chris Vince says, I remember buying the DVD of this and watching it for the first time. This was my first classic Doctor Regen story, and this also made me fall in love with Sarah Jane as a companion. 
I also mm-hmm. adored the Brigadier's reaction to the upcoming regeneration. It is brilliant. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> um, Charlie Turner uh, says, uh, why uh, did you have to go? Anyway, perhaps the most fun regen story to date uh, and uh, goes on to give it a nine out of 10. Jeff Waddle says there's a good four parter in here and that's probably what what it was with one episode almost completely a chasing and a reprise in episode six of almost five minutes would work better if it was set almost completely on earth the meatball th- the meatballs three humans are woefully acted and bring little to the story spiders were creepy at the time though not much so now a six out of ten and lastly aaron ball says a good story part two is really fun but still pointless pertwee's regen is still one of my faves and i love the eight legs goes on to give it an eight spiders out of ten nice there we go so thank you very much guys for all sending in your audio reviews and your social reviews and all that stuff it's very much appreciated next week dude what we got next week so yeah we'll be back to torchwood with an episode called a day in the death god who's dying Mm. now i think this follows on from the storyline that we we did before we went on our break so this would have been owen's you know he died and stuff so uh, the last one we did was dead man walking so this is I think picks up from there. I think Owen's back, but he's a bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> More weird. <laughs> yes. Right, let's stick a pin in it there, dude. Let's wrap it up for episode 314. Hiya! Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming back. And listening to our show for another week, this is the Big Blue Box Podcast, episode 314. Thank you so much. It's been awesome to have you once again. Thank you again to our audio reviewers, Sammy, Joe, Neil, and Martin, for sending in your audio clips. Very much appreciated. Next week, as Adam said, we are back to Torchwood, so a day in the death, so get your Blu-rays, DVDs out. And I think Torchwood is still on iPlayer in the UK, so get that watched on there as well, because we'll be asking for your thoughts and reviews as always. So that'll be next week for 315. In the meantime, we'd love to have you as a follower uh, on whatever podcast app you listen to your podcast on. You can listen to our show for free. They land every Friday. Um, just do a search for the Big Blue Box podcast or there are links on our website, which is the uh, uh, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. Uh, and that will take you off to all of those um, apps and networks and stuff. Um, but we're on all of them, all of those popular apps and everything. We're on all of those. And if you like the show and uh, you want to give us a, a nice review on a rating, that would be really, really cool. And that helps us out loads. And you can do that on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser uh, or Stitcher or those sorts of things. Um, and thank you to all of you guys that have left reviews thus far. Very much appreciated. We are on the socials too. Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. There are links on the website. Come and give us a like and a follow over there so we can all chat Doctor Who throughout the week. And we also have a free Discord server, which has got a really cool growing community around the podcast. Uh, Our writers are on there as well. We all chat Doctor Who about various things. Come and uh, sign up to that and and, and do that. So links on the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. Remember to check out Adam's channel as well over on YouTube. It is, in fact, The Geek's Handbag. Definitely The Geek's Handbag. Go and check out Adam's videos there. Um, still putting out content after all these years. Still loads of videos on Adam's channel. It's one of those channels where you just grab a cup of tea or coffee, get comfy, and there's just hours and hours of geek geekery entertainment. So um, go and check it out. And Adam is on the socials too, under the same name, The Geek's Handbag. Indeed. Go and stalk him for a bit <laughs> and give him a like and a follow. It's all good. 
Right, buddy. Let's do it there. We will see you guys next week for episode 315. Until then, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Eh... Hey. Hey.